Today is Wednesday, December the 6th, 2023. Welcome to the award-winning Personal Computer Show. I'm Hank Key, and do you know who has your personal data? Do you know how big tech companies are using your personal data? We have been bringing computer industry news, hardware and software reviews, guest interviews, and news of user group meetings for the past 40 years. The Personal Computer Show is the three-time winner of the prestigious National Computer Press Awards. The Personal Computer Show had for many years been a call-in talk show. The pandemic-causing studio lockdown has altered our format. The listener call-in format enabled us to know what technology issues were on the minds of the listeners. Our only advocacies are consumerism and the First Amendment. I welcome you, the listeners, to provide feedback as to what you want to hear. Address your suggestions to hank at pcradioshow.org. Our website is pcradioshow.org. We are heard each Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Progressive Radio Network. That's www.prn.live. That's L-I-V-E. Streaming on the Internet. Podcasts of the program is available on prn.live on the internet. You can leave us a message with your question or comment at hank at pcradioshow.org. Unsealed docs show Meta aimed to hook kids. Really? Facebook parent Meta Platforms deliberately engineered its social platforms to hook kids and, but never disclosed, it had received millions of complaints about underage users on Instagram, but only disable a fraction of those accounts. According to a newly unsealed legal complaint describing reports from the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, the complaint, originally made public in redacted form, was the opening salvo in a lawsuit filed in late October by the attorneys generals of 33 states. Company documents cited in the complaint described several Meta officials acknowledging the company designed its products to exploit shortcomings in youthful psychology, such as impulsive behavior, susceptibility to peer pressure, and the underestimation of risk, according to the reports. Other acknowledged Facebook and Instagram also were popular with children under age 13 who, for company policy, were not allowed to use the service. Meta said in a statement to the Associated Press that the complaint misrepresents its work over the past decade to make the online experience safe for teens, noting that it has over 30 tools to support them and their parents. With respect to barring younger users from the service, Meta argued age verification is a complex industry challenge. Instead, Meta said it favors shifting the burden of policing underage usage to app stores and parents, specifically by supporting federal legislation that would require app stores to obtain parental approval whenever youth under 16 download apps. You know, just to interject, this is like telling stores selling cigarettes that they can sell it to minors because they say that the proper area of restraint on smoking should be with parents and not with the stores. Bad logic. One Facebook safety 
executive alluded to the possibility that cracking down on younger users might hurt the company's business in a 2019 email. No kidding, according to the Journal report. But a year later, the same executive expressed frustrations that while Facebook readily studied the usage of underage users for business reasons, it didn't show the same enthusiasm for ways to identify younger kids and remove them from its platforms, the Journal reported. The complaint noted that, at times, Meta has a backlog of up to 2.5 million accounts of younger children awaiting action, according to the newspaper reports. Employers are fed up with college waste and opt for skilled blue-collar workers instead. Blue-collar cash author and former construction worker Ken Rusk said trades are a viable alternative to a college education. Small businesses dissatisfied with college-educated job seekers, as indicated in a recent survey. Ken Rusk, blue-collar cash author and former construction worker, discusses survey data indicating employers value blue-collar workers' experience and skills more than a college education. Employers don't value college degrees as much as originally thought. Recent survey data shows and the disdain is behind a restored appreciation for blue-collar job seekers that bring skill and experience over education. The study, known as the Freedom Economy Index, that's a FEI, a joint project of Job Recruiting Service, Red Balloon, and Public Square, surveyed opinions from 70,000 small businesses between October 25 and October 30th, with 905 respondents, a 3% margin of error, and a 95% confidence level. When asked about the return on investment of higher education, a whopping 67% of participating employers responded strongly, no, when asked if they believe institutions of higher education were graduating students with relevant skills that today's business community needs. An additional 24.4% responded with somewhat no, while the remaining 8.7% responded either somewhat yes, strongly yes, or other. This does not surprise me at all, said former construction worker, blue-collar cash author Ken Rusk. College graduates once favored in the job market are now seemingly less valuable than their blue-collar counterparts. Colleges used to be a place where you would get a degree, and that would only enhance your ability as a human being. Now we're seeing colleges attach these degrees to people that literally can't come out and do some of the life skills that we need. Some who participate in the survey echoed that sentiment. The talent shortage would just get worse because high schools and colleges produce no talent, one employer said. Survey data showed employers prefer skilled workers over those with a college education and no experience. Another called for skills to be taught in high school, while a third responded to the survey question with absolutely no, calling advanced education a waste from the perspective of a former college graduate. Rusk said job seekers with college degrees pose a challenge in another way. They've, graduates, meaning the graduates, kind of been hoodwinked a little bit 
to think that the degree is the thing that's going to carry the day completely. He said that you have to remember that it's something that you're supposed to use to enhance the skills that you already have. And that's what we're seeing now. They're relying way too much on that piece of paper or that degree rather than getting some of that experiences that they need with these companies really want. The survey also asks employers if they are more or less likely to consider a job seeker with a four-year degree. Technical companies dealing with shortage of young, skilled trade workers are having a hard time replacing older trade workers who are retiring. There haven't been enough young people training to fill open roles. Only 10% of participants said a college degree would make a potential job seeker more hireable. On the other hand, 41.5% said the degree makes no difference, while over 40% said a college degree would make them less likely to hire a prospective applicant. Let's use this to apply the law of supply and demand in our favor here, where supply is low and the demand is high. That's where the money goes, Russ says, stressing the importance of learning a trade in today's labor market. You can get a degree or you can get a certificate in a lot of these trades for a tenth or fifth of what you're paying for college. Not only that, but you're doing it in half the time and you're earning money while you're learning versus paying to learn and then hoping you get a job that matches up with that debt. The workplace shift away from requiring college degrees has taken hold of several major companies, including Walmart, IBM, Accenture, Bank of America, and Google, and there are others are indicating that they will follow, as the costs associated with higher education continue to skyrocket. High college costs have also fueled the long-term discussion about student loan debt and relief from the federal government. Hard disk drive prices could go up significantly after the rumored collapse of a key player, paving the way for growing solid-state drive domination in the storage market. With hard disk drive shipments collapsing already, supply chain disruption could be a major setback for Seagate and Western Digital. Resonac, a company that manufactures a crucial component in hard drives, is rumored to be in the midst of a collapse which could mean severe disruption in the development and distribution of the best hard drives around the world. Chinese language reports suggested an unnamed hard disk drive component supplier underwent major layoffs in the last few months and was set to shut down. Tom's Hardware identified Resonac as a troubled supplier. It could spell trouble for the likes of Seagate and Western Digital, whose collective shipments fell 43% year-on-year, between 2022 and 2023, according to trend-focused data as reported by Tom's Hardware. Resonance collapse could have severe ramifications for the rest of the industry. It's a Japanese company that employs 25,000 people and is one of the few companies out there that makes the platters that go into hard disk drives. Earlier this year, many had expected some of the biggest hard disk drives on the market including the Seagate 22-terabyte hard disk drive, to also be among the cheapest large-capacity hard disk drives out there by the time Christmas hit. This is ahead of the hard disk drive manufacturers 
like Seagate and Western Digital, locked in a race against each other to create and distribute massive hard disk drives up to 30 terabytes in size. These massive hard disk drives are primarily used in creation of data centers, or as what we would call the cloud. It was once widely expected that 2023 would be the year of the 30 terabyte hard disk drive, but Seagate and Western Digital had sought this year as the point by which they would reach that milestone. With the best solid-state drives increasingly coming down in price, it could pave the way for this alternative and much faster storage medium to dominate in years to come, should the rumors be true and Resonac is indeed the company on the brink of collapse. Even if the company isn't Resonac, it's worrying news that a major hard disk drive component supplier is set to close its doors, with the subsequent supply chain disruptions hampering a market that's already in a less-than-healthy position. Sports Illustrated is the latest media company that has gone astray by the use of artificial intelligence. Sports Illustrated is the latest media company to see its reputation damaged by being less than forthcoming, if not outright dishonest, about who and what is writing its stories at the dawn of the artificial intelligence age. The once powerful publication said it was firing a company that produced articles for its website written under the bylines of authors who apparently don't exist. But it denied a published report that stories themselves were written by an artificial intelligence tool. Earlier this year, experiments with AI went astray at both the Gannett newspaper chain and the CNET technology website. Many companies are testing the new technology at a time when human workers fear it could cost jobs. But the process is fraught in journalism, which builds and markets its values-based products around the notion of truth and transparency. While there's nothing wrong in media companies experimenting with artificial intelligence, the mistake is in trying to hide it and doing it poorly. If you want to be in the truth-telling business, which journalists claim they do, you shouldn't tell any lies. Sports Illustrated, now run as a website and once-a-month publication by the Arena Group, at one time was a weekly in the Time Inc. stable of magazines known for its sterling writings. Recently, Futurism website reported that Sports Illustrated used stories for product reviews that had authors it could not identify. Futurism found a picture of one author listed as Drew Ortiz on a website that sells AI-generated portraits. Upon questioning Sports Illustrated, Futurism said all the authors with AI-generated portraits disappeared from the magazine's website, and no explanation was offered. Futurism quoted an unnamed person at the magazine who said artificial intelligence was used in the creation of some content as well. Sports Illustrated said the articles in question were created by a third-party company. Hey, listen, attributing it to a, a, someone else which you contracted, you're still, well, you're part of the problem. The third party had assured the magazine that they were written and edited by humans. Advon had its writers use a pen name, 
actions that Sports Illustrated said they don't condone. They are removing the content while their internal investigation continues and have since ended the partnership, the magazine said with Advan. In a statement, the Sports Illustrated Union said it was horrified by the futurism story, and they released the following statement. We demand answers and transparency from Arena Group management about what exactly has been published under the Sports Illustrated name, the union said. We demand the company commit to adhering to basic journalistic standards, including not publishing computer-written story by fake people. Gannett this year paused an experiment at some of its newspapers in which AI was used to generate articles on high school sports events after errors was discovered. Some of the unpleasant publicity that resulted might have been avoided if the newspapers had been explicit about the role of technology and how it helped create articles that journalists might not have been available to do. This past winter, it was reported that CNET had used AI to create articles about financial service topics attributed to CNET money staff. The only way for readers to learn that technology was involved in the writing was to click on that author attribution. But only after its experiment was discovered and written about by other publications did CNET discuss it with readers in a note The then-editor said that 77 machine-generated stories were posted and that several required corrections. The site subsequently made it more clear when AI is being used in story creation. Other companies have been more upfront about their use of AI, such as BuzzFeed and AP. The Associated Press has been using technology to assist in articles about financial earnings reports since 2014, and more recently in some sports stories. However, at the end of each such story is a note that explains technology role in its production. As a reader, you might want to follow up with doing a search on the background of the author's byline if the writer is unfamiliar to you. There are red flags to follow when reading many of these articles. If the article seems to be way in the future, be alert. If the article tends to be speculative, also be on the alert. And whether or not you agree or disagree with the bias that may have been expressed, watch out for all the adjectives that are in the article. Whether or not I agree or disagree with the writer, I usually treat highly inserted adjectives in any article as being less than journalism that I expect. And of course, if it's an opinionated uh, article... Well, that's not the way journalism was the way it uh, was defined by Benjamin Franklin. Presenting the IT Pro Series with Benjamin Rockwell. This is Benjamin Rockwell, and now it's time to get down to business. This is where we talk about computers, the workplace, and some of the things that can affect us. And during this segment today, I'm going to rattle off a number of statistics. And these are statistics that are just from earlier this year, and they've been updated, and they are all about the probably one of the biggest things that we fear the most in IT, and yet we really struggle with paying close enough attention to this. 
And that's why we we have a lot of people in IT that are at the top rung of the pay scale. And yet they're not high enough and we don't have enough people in the industry to really take care of that. What is it? It's cybersecurity. And this is a problem that doesn't exist in every company. And this is a problem that not everybody has. This is a problem that's that's rather... No, it's not. It is absolutely one of the most amazingly horrifying things and it happens everybody and yes we used to say anybody who who gets hit by malware is has a poor cybersecurity department and and the reality is no we're all getting hit by it and the reality is it's all a matter of how fast do we recover it's a matter of how little money do we eventually spend how little this impacts the business And it's a matter of these are driving factors or should be driving factors. And this is how people should be thinking. If you have a cybersecurity department, if you don't have a cybersecurity department, you need one. If you do have a cybersecurity department, you need more resources there than you currently have. Guaranteed across the board. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about these numbers. The average ransomware payout. What do you think it is? Do you think it's 5000 10000 maybe 50000 let, let me let me tell you $258,000 $258,000 and that's just the payout what's the cost of the ransomware attack it's actually depending on the this is the average cost across all companies so it's going to be a little bit higher because we throw a lot of resources at this it's four and a half million dollars see what's going on is you have to deal with that you have to pay them off or recover but you then have to process everything and you have to make sure that it's completely gone that it's not coming back that everybody's educated that everything is stopped in its tracks to what extent it takes an organization 277 days and this is an average number because sometimes it's going to be faster sometimes it's going to be slower but 277 days to identify contain and recover from a data breach what 277 days let me underscore this for you here 365 days in a year, 277 days, that is a good portion of the year. This is not man hours. This is not man days or man weeks. This is just overall days. You get hit by malware. You're going to have your entire IT department on edge dealing with this, but you have to bring in the specialists. You're going to pay well, you're going to pay, and it's going to be through the nose. It's it's unfortunate. And phishing attacks are going up. We, we have to be educating everybody within the company. How much have they gone up? 61% in 2022 alone. 43% of those attacks are aimed at small to medium-sized businesses. You got 20 people, 50 people, 150 people, 500 people. They're aiming at you. 
They're not aiming at the big, huge guys. They're not aiming at the Fortune 100, the Fortune 500, the Fortune 2000. They're aiming at everybody because they know they can get money everywhere. These guys are are becoming emboldened. They're actually asking for more money. Sometimes more money than the company can afford. Hey, we're on the we're on our, our we're, we're barely making it as as far as break even, and now we've got this guy coming along, this hacker who's off in another country saying, "Give me money." This is rough. Now that forty three percent of a tax aim at small and medium sized businesses. Of those businesses, 14% are prepared to defend themselves. 14%. 62% of organizations feel that they are understaffed in terms of cybersecurity professionals. My personal argument is the remaining 38% are deluding themselves. Okay, I, I take that back. There's probably a little bit of companies that are properly staffed in cybersecurity but that's already because they have been hit hard with a sledgehammer that really broke the bank and it just destroyed him. And that's how they chose to recover by preparing others. Others, they get hit and they get hit again and they get hit again. They become, and I'll use, this is a pun. I'm not going to name any company names, but they have become a target a recurring target, not naming any company names, but yeah, this is something that is going to plague us for a long time until we develop enough cybersecurity measures to stop the hackers, the cyber criminals in their tracks. This is Benjamin Rockwell. Back to you, Hank. Thank you, Benjamin. The rise of software subscriptions, also known as software as a service. The traditional model of purchasing permanent software licenses has been largely replaced by recurring subscription plans offered by software companies. Instead of paying a one-time fee for software, users now have to pay monthly or yearly rental fees to access essential software. While software companies argue that subscriptions offer convenience and constant updates, critics argue that subscriptions are financially restrictive and primarily designed to maximize profits for the companies. The never-ending rental fees can be burdensome for small businesses, freelancers, and part-timers. The subscription-based pricing model for software has become pervasive in the industry with software companies offering their products for recurring fees rather than a one-time purchase. While subscriptions offer certain conveniences, there are concerns about their financial impact and the motivations behind them. Critics argue that the subscription model is designed to squeeze the end user for recurring revenue, maximizing profits for software companies. Instead of paying once for software at a fair price, Users must pay a monthly or yearly rental fee indefinitely with no end in sight. This can be financially restrictive, especially for small businesses, freelancers, and part-timers. One of the downsides of software subscriptions is a lack of control and forced loyalty. 
If users decide to end their subscription, they lose access to the software entirely. This can be problematic, particularly if users have years of edited documents saved in proprietary formats. Users are then forced to continue paying for the subscription just to access their own work. It is important to note that while subscriptions may have their drawbacks, they also offer benefits such as constant updates and access to the latest features. The decision to subscribe or purchase software outright depends on individual needs and preferences. There are better solutions that can meet both personal computing needs and software companies' bottom lines, but the ever-powerful dollar continues to reign brutally over the industry. Change will require our collective industry demanding it, not quietly accepting the subscription status quo. Personal computing should not be constrained by compulsory rental fees. Today, you'll likely pay monthly or yearly subscriptions for your essential software. The subscription model has become pervasive with software companies only offering their software for recurring fees rather than a one-time purchase. But while subscriptions offer certain conveniences, they are ultimately bad, financially restrictive, and a greedy ploy by software companies. The subscription-based pricing of major software applications is designed to squeeze the end user for recurring revenue. Instead of paying once for software at a fair price, now you must pay a monthly rental fee forever with no end in sight. Proponents of software subscriptions argue that they provide users with access to always updated software. However, not all users necessarily want or need constant major updates. When users are on a job or working on a project, they may not have the time or desire to adapt to new navigation or test new features introduced by the software publisher. If the current version of the software is handling everything you need it to, may be seen as a needless risk. Minor updates and bug fixes could easily be released without switching to a subscription model. The primary reason software companies push the subscription model is to maximize their profits through recurring payments by requiring users to pay monthly or yearly fees indefinitely. Software companies can generate a steady stream of revenue. This financial motivation is often seen as a driving force behind the widespread adoption of the subscription model. Another drawback of software subscriptions is the potential loss of access to the software and user data if the subscription is terminated. Many users have years of edited documents saved in proprietary formats, and ending a subscription could mean losing the ability to edit those files. Users are then forced to continue paying for the subscription just to access their own work. This creates a sense of forced loyalty and can be seen as a penalty for deciding that the software no longer meets their needs. The issue of constant pressure to upgrade subscription plans for added features is indeed a concern for many users. However, with a shift to subscription models, certain features are arbitrarily restricted, effectively holding them hostage unless users upgrade to more expensive plans. This strategy is designed to extract maximum fees from users and can be frustrating for those who rely on critical software functionality. This nickel and diming approach raises the question of why end users should have to pay extra for essential software functionality. Many argue that the switch to subscription models was necessary 
to fund constant software updates and cloud features. However, it is worth noting that the pace of meaningful updates has not significantly increased during the subscription era. This suggests that the primary motive behind the switch was not to improve the software itself, but rather to lock in recurring payments from users. Thankfully, there are alternatives for those who reject this endless rental model. One option is is seeking out software that still allows a perpetual license purchase. Another avenue is sticking with older software versions that you already own outright. Just because a software publisher released the latest updated version, it doesn't make your current version obsolete. Work on that license you own indefinitely. Companies want you to feel left behind on old software to force upgrading. But stand your ground. Older versions have everything most end users need without rental payments. Open source creative software has also come a long way in recent years. They offer free alternatives to software subscriptions. Support their development and avoid sending cash to corporations. While not every open source tool is ready to replace the major players yet, the options are improving constantly and worth exploring. The problem is this predatory subscription model is unlikely to change until it impacts the bottom line of software companies. They have zero incentive to offer fair buying options when people comply with expensive rentals. If you're a hobbyist, ask yourself if you really need to shell out several hundred dollars a year. Explore open source and one-time purchase options. We, as consumers, have been gradually lulled into this subscription-based economy, and it's time we wake up and re-evaluate how much of it we really need. Presenting Technology Chatter with Benjamin Rockwell and Marty Winston. We are in the middle of that Marty and I have worked together to put into this. Marty's done actually a lot of the lifting on this. Uh, but, yeah, but I get to keep the stuff when it's over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I already see who this next one is. And this is these guys are a fan of our favorite of the show. We, oh, we enjoy it. The fans enjoy it. Um, you know, listeners to the show. So let's talk about Anchor. Well, actually, it's, well, it, it's, it's Eufy, which is a division of Anchor. An anchor brand, yeah. So how about a gift of security and protection? Yes. Our newest totally wireless security camera from Eufy is their new SoloCam S340 with both wide and telephoto cameras on a head that both pans, that's left and right, full circle, 360, and tilts automatically to follow people in frame. Okay. I, I'm going to tell you how I used it in a second. It's solar powered through a separate four and a half inch square panel that plugs into its USB charging port. Mm-hmm. Now you mount the camera and solar power panel together at the same time. You can even mount the solar panel on the camera if that happens to fit your geometry. The Eufy app guides you through setting it up to connect to your low band Wi-Fi. Ours is about 200 feet from the house, so true wireless is very cool. It learns to recognize individuals. Okay. <laughs> Shows you their name. Marty is at the front, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> nice. 
It offers on-command one-way or two-way audio, and at night it shoots either color video by turning on a small white LED floodlight or shoots in black and white using an invisible infrared LED. Okay, I so, read, so it literally. Can- yeah. So, it, so it can now identify that Marty is in the doghouse again. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Got it. Got it. It's it's wide angle lens shoots 3K videos. It's telephoto hybrid zoom lens shoots 2K video. Mounting hardware is in the box. The new U, the new Ufi S340 wire free pan and tilt dual camera is $280 at Amazon, and you add zero as a monthly fee. Okay. Very nice. Those, now, guys, those, those guys are great. I'll tell you what I've done with this. Yeah. On the corner of my garage, mm-hmm. I have an east-facing wall and a south-facing wall. Okay. And I mounted two cameras, one under the eave mm-hmm. on the east side and one just kind of around the corner on the west side. That means my front walk is totally covered coming and going. It can also spin nice. and cover the nice. driveway. Nice. Okay. And there's one that can cover the rest of the driveway. There's an overlap in that as well as any packages that were left by the garage. Okay. So, boy, am I alert to everything. My wife says <laughs> I watch it like an old woman. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, and it that, all that was that was the Ufi security app. So you know that I, I've got a list of cameras I can watch at any moment. Oh, nice. How how many? How, how many? Does I think it it's mean? six or seven. I'm okay, somewhere in there. A full a full a full bevy of them. Got okay. a front door camera. I've got an in garage camera. I've got my old shed camera. I've got a mailbox camera. And I'm sure there are a couple others I'm forgetting. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're racking them up right there. Very yeah, cool. I, Gonna have to get a bigger house if I'm going to support more cameras. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, this next piece really starts with a story about a guy who is building himself a gift. Okay. It's the kind of guy, and you've seen him, who has three different desks, each with a different computer on it, each doing something else. Sounds uh, stop like me. looking around your office. <laughs> Yes. Now, the Ping app, that's P-I-N-G. Yeah. The Ping app from PingLoud.com just added Android Auto support. Now, this is a strange mm-hmm. duck of an app, but potentially it's useful. Maybe more of a self-gift. It was created for a guy who kept Windows going on multiple PCs at once, mm-hmm. different desks, mm-hmm. and didn't want to miss any new messages. So he set this up on a mobile, a handset, yeah. to to read incoming messages out loud. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I, if I did that, it'd be going over time. But okay, go on. Now, depending on how your email is connected right now, it's having some glitches with Exchange Server. It can skip spam. I'm sorry, the, the app is, not me. <laughs> it can skip spam, stop before reading a signature block, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It gives you options to only read for a specified length of time and offers several single button ways to respond. Okay. Now, before things like Android Auto became widely available, the app also had launchers for things like maps or music services. Mm -hmm. So the screen on the phone itself originally did a lot of what Android Auto does on the dashboard these days. Okay. Now, Google Play and other app stores offer a 14-day free trial, which... uh, After which, it's about three bucks a month. Some of the advanced configuration and option choices are not well described. So for yourself, you can, after a while, make it work smoothly, but you're going to have to pay attention to interpreting 
what they say into real English. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, as a gift for others, prepare to also give away some of your time to be app support for the lucky recipient. Okay. <laughs> but when you're driving, I've with never Android, done that. Oh wait, I do that all the time. All the time. But for eyes on the road and no missed message regrets through Android Auto, this may be worth it. Okay. All right, I, I I like that. That is, uh, that is quite unique, you know. And and yeah, as you referenced, I do have. So I've got a Mac that you and I are talking on the Mac right now today, and then I've got my main PC, and then I've got my work my work PC over on the other side of the room. You know, I and, only and, let you put me on the Mac because I happen to like Keith McDonald's and the McAllen. Oh. <laughs> 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 I noticed we went we went right past Keith on that one. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, so, last last one for uh, this segment. I want sure. to talk uh, as, as gift goes. As, as gifts go. Yeah. This one's on the house. No, it it isn't free, but it does free you up from ladder climbing chores for the next decades. Okay. L- Lumary. That's L U M A R Y sent us their ready-to-mount string of 39 LED illuminators that ideally go under eaves to create wall-washing accent lights across a 65-foot run. Okay. These LEDs can be adjusted to warm white, cool white, or, I don't know, 16 million colors. Okay. The app, and did I mention Wi-Fi control? Eight modes like chase, flow, rainbow, jump, Dazzle, gradient, breathing, and blink. All those animations you can make colors do, your choice of colors. You can even get the lights to dance to your music. Feed it audio, and it, it, it'll, it'll sync up. You can set schedules in the app or use its little included companion remote. It comes with a remote okay. to do things with that or, or command it through Google Assistant or Alexa. So, hey, lights, turn on the Browns Lost mode. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the 39 oh light luminary permanent outdoor Eve LED string kit is about $430 on Amazon. That's 65 feet, 15,000 hours. And with those LEDs, that comes out. To less than three cents an hour. That's that's really nice. This is and this is this is the right time of year. A lot of people have been thinking about, you know, we go through the holidays. We think about putting up special lights for Halloween. We think about special lights for Thanksgiving, and then we get to Christmas time, and then there's that mad dash to just put up anything. And if you think about this up front in advance, and you start processing this through. Uh, this is this is really the ideal time to be prepping for all year long. Oh heck, absolutely! Valentine's Day is red. St. Patrick's Day is green. Uh, Independence Day is red, white, and blue. Sure. The day I it, get yeah. up that ladder again, it's usually black and blue. <laughs> <laughs> I I I get that. I understand that all too well. <laughs> as long as there's no red involved with that one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Blood on the pavement. Uh, anyways, that's the voice of Marty Winston. This is Benjamin Rockwell. You are listening to our annual holiday gift guide. 
Marty and I have been talking about all kinds of different things. Gifts for others, gifts for yourself, uh, you know, whatever it is. Of course, if you have questions in regards to, well, I don't know if you have questions in regards to any of this stuff. I, I'll, I'll try to answer it, of course. Uh, but if you have other tech questions, of course, please do reach out to me. Again, 888-NERD-888. Marty, what's the next one on this list? Well, there, there's a little question here, and, yes. and you have to decide, are these things best as gifts or are they best as holiday preparatory items? Well, and if they're uh, yes, gifts, some of them. Some of them have yeah. been good holiday prep items, yes. Yeah. And if they're gifts, who are they for? Now, you decide. Eucopia, that's Y-O-U-C-O-P-I-A. Okay. Helps you cope, right? Eucopia sent three of their organizer gadgets the DoorStash garbage bag dispenser. It's about 35 bucks online. Hangs over the lip of a cabinet door. Mm -hmm. The bulk of it is inside the cabinet. You move a roll of garbage bags from the box they come in into this thing's covered hopper and pull the next bag you need out the bottom. Okay. Also, the hopper cover is indented so you can store other things within it. The mm -hmm. drawer fit products, each about 20 bucks. Take an upstairs-downstairs approach to cabinet drawers with lips that slide along the drawer's frame for access to things underneath. So the things that are at the bottom of the drawer stay there, and, and this thing slides over them to uh, let you have another level to, to store stuff. Okay. Uh, now, there are two of these. One is a sliding bin. The other is a sliding tray. The bin is a single container to help longer items fit. The tray is divided into multiple compartments. Okay. Now, right. They not only slide side to side, they also slide longer or shorter to fit your drawer. Okay, so, I'm digging that. Yeah. So are these organizers for the kitchen, the garage, your office, or your workbench? Well, All of them. Which one really needs organization most? All of them. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's not quite utopia. It's eucopia. Y-O-U-C-O-P-I-A. Hey, I just made that up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and yeah, I organization is oh, it's desperately needed. Okay, go on. What's right. the next one? Uh, cameras and the Rio Link. That's R E O L I N K. The Rio Link Argus Three Ultra Security Camera and its companion six watt solar panel mm -hmm. has an eight megapixel camera for four K video. Okay. Meaning that even with its deepest 10x digital zoom, you aren't losing huge levels of detail. Yeah, yeah. The horizontal field of view of the camera is 105 degrees, a little past 90, and then some, you know. It comes with a 6-watt solar panel, so short of the Arctic Circle, you won't be visiting it often to change batteries. It's okay. one of the few security cameras I've seen with dual-band Wi-Fi, both 2.4 low-band for range. Nice, nice, yeah. Good at a distance, but bandwidth can become an issue at 4K. 5 gigahertz high band is there if you're close enough to your router. Uh, it offers both infrared and white night vision assist, IR in black and white, and invisible or white for full color, but visibly active, which may be a good thing. You can give it local storage up to 128 gigabytes by adding a micro SD card, and it's baked in smarts let it recognize people, pets, or vehicles. The Rio Link, R-E-O Link, Argus 3 Ultra with 6-watt solar panel is about 135 bucks online. Veterans, teachers, and first responders can qualify for a 10% discount. Okay, so so it, let me go back to this one. Let's revisit this because a lot of the cameras, a lot of the home automation go on 2.4 
gigahertz. Yes, they're not going they up the to that, that, yeah. that faster bump. So this one occupying, and I presume it's smart enough to know, hey, we we're close enough so that we can we can do that high speed, right? Yeah, it'll feed to the max the channel will carry. And and uh, having that option is a good thing when you've got that kind of resolution. That and is, if, if you need more resolution, put it closer to the house. You may pick it up by having the extra pixels to look at in Zoom. Sure, yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm really liking that. Uh, so many times it's been just we're locking it down. Two point four, <laughs> but but it, but it makes sense. But okay, yeah. so all right. So now we, we talked earlier about connecting the dots. Between yeah. the holidays and New Year's resolutions. Yes, yes. Well, let's add a couple of dots. How about cleaning the house for the holidays or cleaning up after somebody spills something? Okay. All right. Now, yes. no one in the house, except maybe for one of the kids in a first place of their own, ever wants to get toasters or vacuums or irons as their gift under the tree. <laughs> yes. So maybe this is a gift to the house, and yeah. if it is, then it's okay to open it early. After all, it can help take the work and worry out of holiday cleanup or yes. the prep yeah. before company comes. Or to that accident response after they leave. Or maybe <laughs> help a New Year's resolution you've been yeah. meaning to make. Well, you decide. Anchor sent their Eufy Mach V1 Ultra. A breakthrough appliance that combines a stick vacuum with a steam mop, all cordless. You can vacuum, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. mop, or steam for longer than most people spend doing those things, sometimes more than an hour per charge. The charger is a base plate, so while charging, it looks like the V1 is just standing there. Mm -hmm. You fill one tank with water and another with floor cleaner. Its precise blending valve automatically handles the mix. It can start the steam going in just 20 seconds, and there's nothing like steam for deep cleaning both wet and dry messes, plus classic steam stain fighting. And there's a ton of automation and convenience, an air jet blade for quicker drying, a self-cleaning system, even a low safe level aqueous ozone generator for both safe sterilization and for de-stinkifying. There's even an automatic 20-minute self-cleaning and drying mode. Okay. The UV Mach V1 Ultra works on hard floors and carpets and is about 700 bucks online. Now this is this is some serious high-tech mopping. This is this is not, you know, the the you know the what I, I can't even think of the name of it because uh, frankly I don't buy them. My wife handles that. But the, but this isn't this isn't like the this old is not a Swiffer is what you're saying. There we go. Yes, <laughs> thank you. This is not a Swiffer. This is and it's not much bigger than tech. a standard this is, stick vac. You know, it, 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 vacuum if you want, but it's got the mops down there. It's got the ability to steam, and it's it's going to make the goop um and disassociate itself from the surface on which it's uh, become embedded sure okay so i, I i'm liking that uh, yeah, i i wouldn't buy that for my wife no unless well yeah, no, 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 no 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 it's a down payment <laughs> on a divorce if you buy it for your wife <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> i'm well aware of that thank you uh so anyways that's the voice of marty winston this is benjamin rockwell we are in the middle of our holiday gift guide nearing the end we've got uh we, we've got just a little bit more so hang with us again we'll be back with a lot more thank you benjamin and thank you marty Public service announcements. Computer club meetings in the New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut Tri-State region. Log on to the club website for more information on remote meeting ID.
Tech Ed Connect meets Thursday, December the 7th, 2023. Meeting time is 7 p.m. Online virtual meeting via Zoom. Website is wpcug.org. The Long Island Macintosh Users Group meets Friday, December the 8th, 2023. Meeting time is 7 p.m. Online virtual meeting via Zoom. And their website is limac.org. The King's Byte Computer Club meets Tuesday, December the 12th. Meeting time is 7 p.m. And they meet at the Park Plaza Restaurant. Located at 220 Cadman Plaza West in Brooklyn. The phone number to confirm is 347-278-7320. The Brookdale Computer Users Group meets Thursday, December the 14th. Meeting time is 7 p.m. Online virtual meeting. And the website is bcug.com. The New York Amateur Computer Club meets Thursday, December the 14th, 2023. Meeting time is 7 p.m. Online virtual meeting via Zoom. And the website is nyacc.org. Happy computing and Black Friday's coming up. The best buy may very well be what you don't buy. Our website is pcradioshow.org. We are heard each Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on PRN, live streaming on the Internet. Podcasts of the program is available on prn.live on the Internet. If you have any questions for us, just send us an email addressed to hank at pcradioshow.org. In the meantime, stay in touch and remember to do regular backups. I'm Hank Key, and on behalf of Michael Horowitz, Benjamin Rockwell, and Marty Winston, we thank you for listening. Stay safe and healthy till we meet again, same time, same station, next week.